So this morning, I want to start off with a verse, and then I, uh, as a welcome, uh, should say that my name is Scott Hemingway. I'm one of the pastors. And a verse that I want to start off with is Psalm, verse, uh, Psalm 9, verse 1 and 2. And it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing and praise your name, O Most High. That's our desire this morning as we come, that we're able to give thanks to the Lord. We're able to praise his name and that he is our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're going we're gonna to move into our three-ish things, and I'm going to invite Leilian to come up, and she is going to do them with me. Oh, I forgot Leilian something. That's right. Uh, it'll come up. So the first thing that we want to do is I want to just introduce to you to a book that I have been reading, and it is called Living or Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. There it is. And I want to do a book club, a spring book club. And this is a fantastic book. I've been doing it with my son. I'm almost through it, and this would be my, uh, uh, you join me, it would be my third time through it. It is, uh, it is, it is a book that will challenge you in your prayer life. It will answer questions about prayer. And what I hope and desire more than anything, that as a church, it moves us into a deeper place of prayer as a church. So if you are going, I don't have any time. Springtime, why would you do anything in springtime? Don't you know the flowers are out and the gardens need to be attended to? Yes, I do know that. But there's always room somewhere in there. So consider it. We have books in the back, $24. Even if you don't join the book club, you can still grab the book. It is worth your read, I can guarantee you. It's not a book that you'll go, man, why'd I buy this? So if you want to ask me more questions, I'll be back where the books are at the table. Lillian, you're up here for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I had this down to three minutes, but after the morning meeting, I now have 10 seconds, so I have to be really fast. <laughs> My name is Lillian, and I am really, really excited to share with you a new Women's Connect group that will be starting up on April 2nd. Vegas Dargetts and myself will be leading this study. It's a seven-part study, and it is on simplicity. And it really dovetails into many of the things that Pastor Scott has been talking to us about, about journeying with the Lord. So the focus of this group is to uncomplicate and untangle our lives so that we can focus on what really matters. As I said, it's a seven-part series. The format of it is going to be that it is a Zoom link that we will gather together. But first of all, I will send out a podcast that everyone listens to in the two weeks leading up. And then we get together by Zoom and we have some discussion on it. And we talk about how we have implemented that into our lives. So there is a registration link on the New Life page. I really encourage you to register so that I can talk to you that way. And you do not need to attend all seven sessions. So please, if there's only a couple that you can do, register anyway so that I can send you the podcast so that you can listen to it and so that we can try out your Zoom link and all of those things. So these are the seven topics that we'll be covering. The propaganda of more is our first one on April the 3rd. The simplicity of heart, the simplicity of speech, the simplicity of apparel, I'm going to struggle with that one. The simplicity of stuff, I'm really going to struggle with that one. The simplicity of pleasure and the simplicity of contentment. 
So again, I really encourage you to register online for this. I'm super excited about it because it's a way that we can practically put our faith into our lives and to share that with each other. Thank you very much, Leilian. I just want to say, yeah, I don't need it. Uh, I just want to say that uh, really consider, consider doing this. Um, I enjoy this teaching, and I've gone through some of this teaching in the book that we did, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, it is a really, really good series. So please, ladies, I'm a little bummed the guys aren't doing it, but ladies, uh, consider, consider looking at it and seeing where you can fit in on that. Last thing that I want to bring before you is Easter. Easter is coming. We have all the details uh, out. It's on the website. We have a little card on the information booth that has this information on it. Tells you the time, the days, what we're doing, when we're doing it. And we would just invite you to grab that, put it on your fridge, give it out to some friends. Uh, we are going to do a sunrise service. I was told by Alicia that one of the youth, I won't tell you who it is, but one of the youth is going to get baptized. So, yeah, great. This side over here, fantastic. One of the youth is going to get baptized. There we go, okay. Uh, maybe you want to join in on that, and please come and talk to me if you are interested in getting baptized as part of our sunrise service. But we're excited about that. So please grab the information and be part of our Easter. <laughs> All right, there we are. Thank you, Brittany. I appreciate that. I want to say that if you are interested, one thing Brittany didn't say is that if you are interested in helping out with KidZone and you haven't done it before, we will help you. Uh, we will show you how to do that. You won't just be left in a room with a bunch of kids going, what? What do I do? We will help train you. So, so please consider that. This morning for our community story, we want to highlight a ministry in our valley. It extends out past uh, Lake Cowichan and it's Honeymoon Bay Retreat Center. And some of you may know what that is all about, and uh, if you don't, and we believe that by the time you get done today, you will. And we're going to start off by showing you a bit of a video that will help you uh, see the place and understand a little bit more. And then I'm going to invite Scott and Sarah up, and we're going to do an interview with them. So let's show the video. We make sure that on the first time people realize that being here is not enough. It's so glorifying to God. So we just need to work harder and bigger. You are here just to be. I think of it like an inn. It's a really comfortable, hospitable, warm inn that has been designed, actually, for spiritual retreats. The thing that stood out most was that it's an incredibly quiet little town. Honeymoon Bay is not the name of the retreat center, it's actually the name of the community. We have really beautiful rooms that are basically four-star hotel. And it's got beautiful gardens and in a beautiful setting, people often just feel the invitation to rest and wholeness when they come into here. So the guided component of a retreat would be facilitators providing ways for you to journey deeper with God. To provide space, that's really what it is, providing space and giving them permission and just facilitating that, making that easy. The guided portion of the retreat provides some resourcing in different exercises or focuses for people to use if they choose. But everything's optional, so it's kind of semi-guided in that nothing's mandatory. People don't have to come to morning prayer 
or evening prayer. People don't have to go on hikes. And if you need rest, well then sleep. If it means going out in nature and spending time walking, then do that. And there's no scheduled part that you have to be at. Our staff here are dedicated to making sure that people are looked after. Their, their gift is in hospitality. They bring that whole attitude of service and hospitality and kindness to every guest. A lot of people are hesitant because of time or funds, but it's a smaller cost to pay now to invest into keeping yourself healthy than it is to the cost you pay when you do burn out. And if you talk to someone that's made the investment, they'll be able to make sure that uh, you can understand why it would be a wise investment. All right, I'll invite uh, Sarah and Scott to come on up. And we have more questions. I, I just recently was there at the retreat center. Uh, Scott invited us uh, pastors in the valley to come, and uh, it was a fantastic time. It was so good. Have a seat. Okay. I, I know it's not hard to figure out who is Scott and who is Sarah, um, but uh, we'll start off with you, Scott. Uh, tell us a little bit uh, who you are, how long you've been at the retreat center. So, yeah, I'm Scott Young. Uh, we were called, my wife and I and kids moved from Penticton. We were there for uh, 23 years uh, doing youth ministry and also doing some other things. But uh, we were going through a bit of a time, a bit of a valley, and, and God called us to Honeymoon Bay uh, to be with Youth for Christ. So uh, I'm the executive director there. They brought me on in 2017. And then a couple of years later, we, we got Sarah. Mm -hmm. So Sarah, uh, how long you been there? And then what do you do? Yeah, I've been there since 2019. Um, I started um, as the reflexologist on a contractual basis. And I still do that at the retreat center. Uh, but after about six or eight months of being there, we started talking about, and I started sensing, and uh, Youth for Christ started sensing that maybe I was meant to be the associate director. And so after some prayer and interview and a process, we realized that was true. So I've been the associate director since 2020. Yeah. So knowing what you do, uh, we had a little bit of uh, insight in what happens. Maybe you can dive in a little bit more. What actually happens at, at, at Honeymoon Bay? Okay, do you want to start? No. No, okay. <laughs> so uh, we, ha we serve, basically, the, the mission and vision is to bring rest and renewal and growth to people that are in ministry, but focused on Youth for Christ. We're, we work with Youth for Christ. Um, we both raise our own funds with Youth for Christ. We're part of the national team, um, and we have a resiliency team. And the resiliency team is made up of spiritual directors and counselors and pastors that, that want to see our staff across the country get rest and renewal and growth. So uh, we are the retreat center, and we bring back the word retreat. <laughs> uh, we are really good at doing conferences. Uh, we are really good at doing. We are not very good at being. And we are not very good at retreating. I'm bringing back the word retreat. Um, and so we provide uh, space and time 
to be with God. That's, it's not rocket science. Uh, we provide everything somebody needs and wants and desires, but we allow God to move. That's, that's, that's it. Um, I don't know, maybe yeah. you can. And as a, youth, as a Youth for Christ National Retreat Center, the, the frontline workers uh, can come anytime they need to, and there are multiple guided retreats planned for them throughout the year. And so they get to come in whatever state they're in. And sometimes they do actually just stay in their room and shut the door, and they just can't do much. And other times they participate in all of the guided aspects of the retreat. And our staff will say over and over again, the difference that you can see on someone from the moment when they come to two days later or five days later, whenever they leave, it is remarkable. And it's simply from being in a safe space where they're invited to just be and that the presence of God is invited to be as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we serve 900 staff across the country um, and there's 34 chapters and also volunteers as well. So uh, that, that's our main focus. Now, the other times we do reach out, there's other organizations that use the space as well um, and other user groups. We've had some scrapbookers and quilters and that sort of thing. But even that... We've had some lately quilters that have been giving us quilts that we've been able to bless the Youth for Christ workers with uh, as a hug from God. It's been beautiful. So anyway. No, that's good. That's very good. Uh, maybe you can just share what you've seen God do in the last six-ish months. Hmm. Yeah, so we, we have been really blessed um, you know, when Jesus takes his disciples across the water and the storm comes and the disciples freak out and they wake him up and they're like, Lord, Lord, what are you doing? You're, you're napping, right? Like, <laughs> there's a storm going on, right? Like, kind of like we, they thought maybe he didn't know, right? And he gets up and he stops the storm and he says, where's your faith? Jesus was the one who stopped the storm. It wasn't, where is your faith to stop the storm? It was, where is your faith to rest during the storm? Rest means so many things. Yes, Jesus was napping in the boat, but he was actually modeling to rest during the storm. And we have seen a lot of people um, close to burnout, if not burned out. But then there's the people that aren't burned out, but are really inspired. And the thing is, is what are we doing on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis to make sure that we're resting? And when I say resting, I'm not saying just napping. I'm saying resting as in we say we trust in God, but do we rest in that trust? Think about that. Do we actually rest in that trust that we say we have in God? And if you say to yourself, well, if I don't go, nobody's going to do it. That's a red flag. That's a check. Because whose ministry is it then? Right? So this is just the, the retreat center. We see so many people come in and they have taken on the burden of the ministry. The thing is, is when he says my yoke is light, he really means it, right? So. Yeah, and 
he makes those he makes those times for us for rest. I recently had someone in a session of uh, giving them a foot massage, which is basically a foot reflexology is basically glorified foot massage, and it is glorious. And um, and this person was really on the verge of burnout, and I could tell that uh, since he had been there and. He was quiet for the first half of the session, and then he said, I feel like Frodo waking up in Rivendell. Is it Rivendell? He said, I feel like I'm safe. And I knew he had been in a spiritual battle way over his head for a long time. And he just said, I'm safe. And this is, an, this is a warrior. This man is a warrior. And just to hear him... Um, feel safe, and to see the impact, the healing impact that had on his ministry so that he could return three days later and continue doing what he was doing. That was beautiful. Yeah. Well, appreciate uh, you sharing more about Henry Bay, and and I can testify uh, both to the tranquility, the peace uh, that you experience as as you go into those doors I can testify to having a glorified foot rub that uh, I keep thinking, I gotta go back for another one. Um, and uh, you're, you kind of fall asleep, but you don't. It's, it's, it's wonderful. But it is a place of healing. It is a place of drawing near to God. And I appreciate what you do there and that it's in our valley mm-hmm. and, and that what you do is going out across Canada, which then across the world. So we, uh, I asked for some prayer requests and mm-hmm. we're gonna throw them up there on the screen so people can see. Maybe we can go through them and you can uh, talk about each one. Yeah, yeah, new chef. Our chef is retiring, so um, at the end of April actually. And so though that's a good thing, um, we need a new chef and um, we serve beautiful, beautiful food at the retreat center. So our desire is to have a seamless transition into a new chef. And as Scott was suggesting, trusting God is also something we get to do around this. So um, if you know of anyone or if God leads you in prayer through for information on that, that would just be great. So you can pray with us. Sarah, what, yeah. what, what do you say about food? You have a little, oh, yes. little saying. Good mm-hmm. food is God's love made edible. There we are. Isn't that good? That's great. Good food. We actually have a sign in our dining room with that on it. Because... Yeah. So if that kind of speaking to your heart, or you think it's going to speak to somebody's heart, it's not just about putting a piece of chicken on a plate. Mm, it's true. Yeah. Ministry of food. And then prayer for our team of staff as we minister to Youth for Christ, frontline workers, and others. It takes a special team of people to come to work every day and be safe to, for other people, to be calm, to be grounded. You don't get to bring your baggage with you in the door. You get to actually let God be with you in that and be a safe place for others. So please pray for our team as they do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also uh, Sarah and I, like I said, uh, work for Youth for Christ. And so uh, be in prayer for us as we, we try to raise our own support as well um, through this ministry. And it's been so amazing to see uh, God creatively use the retreat center. Um, you know, just in times, I'm just going to share this one little last story. 
because God is so cool. Uh, you know, we bring rest and renewal and growth. And, and, and somebody had mentioned that as soon as you walk in the doors, you're hit with shalom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really weird uh, thing that we have <laughs> we've seen over and over and over again. And I just, there was this 25-year-old lady that came in last summer. And she had her partner with her. And, and I said, oh, where are you from? And she was doing a private retreat. We had opened up the retreat for that week to do some privates. And she says, oh, I'm from Chilliwack, and I, and I make and sell crystals. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> and so anyway, we were, I, I was the house sitter that weekend. And so we, we uh, got to know each other. But the, the first day she comes in, she's just like, there is something about this space. It's just so peaceful. It's so peaceful. I said, yeah, we get that quite a bit. And then the next morning she comes in and, and she gets her breakfast. After breakfast, she says, where did you get your mattress? Like, oh yeah, we get that a lot too. And so I gave her the little sheet that has the, the label on it. And, and then the next day, again, she just, this peace is just unbelievable. I just don't, I can't put my finger on it, but it's just so peaceful. And the last night that she's there, I, could, I was sitting in the house sitter suite and she walked across in the lobby and then she walked back and I was like, hmm, I wonder if she needs something. So I went out there and is there something I can help you with? And she says, you know, can you tell me more about this Youth for Christ thing? And so I explained what Youth for Christ was and did and, and then why we were there. And, and she says, you know, I have PTSD because I went to a healing center somewhere and she says the peace here is just so crazy I can't I grew up Jewish and I feel like I'm being drawn into a relationship with Jesus and I'm like hallelujah let's talk and so I I sat with her for an hour and a half my wife and I both and uh, because she's Jewish well Joe is very versed in a lot of the festivals and that sort of thing so she just you know taught her all of the fulfillment that Jesus is and all that she knew already. And then we gave her a Bible and we opened it up. You know, here's the Old Testament, which you knew or know. And then this is the New Testament all about Jesus. And as, of course, you know, you open it up and the Matthew opens up with a genealogy. And she looks down and she says, that's my name. That's my family name. It's so crazy how God moves when we just allow him space. You know, I could have been judgmental, which I was at the beginning. (laughs) But then God does cool things. I got a call three months later from her. And she is like, Scott, I'm being convicted that I shouldn't be selling crystals and that I shouldn't be doing it like this and that. And I shouldn't be going to this new age thing. And I'm like, well, that's cool. You got to know if God's convicting you of that, that he's got other plans for you, right? And, and so she is now meeting with a friend of ours in Victoria who she's moved to Victoria and she's, she's got this uh, mentor and she's developing a relationship with Jesus. And I didn't have to do anything. Like, really? Jesus was convicting her heart. She had all the answers already. I was just sitting there going, yeah, 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 do it. But God is so good and he's so faithful. And we know that in all of these things, he will be faithful, right? And, and just as he's been faithful here, 
with you and bringing on a new pastor and having a new team. And it's just, it's awesome to watch. So thank you. Hey, let me, thank you for sharing. And I'm glad you added that last story. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for uh, that retreat center. I thank you for the vision that was put forth, that you put forth and, and a group of people grabbed hold of, and then they brought it to your life, uh, Lord. We thank you for what it represents. We thank you for the work that is done. Thank you for Scott and Sarah and the team that is there to provide a space to be with you. We pray for those that will be coming through the door the rest of this year, that they will be able to rest, be with you, enjoy your presence, be renewed, so they can serve you outside of the center. Father, we lay before you the need for a chef and ask, Lord, you know who that is. And that journey that they are on to discover that, God, that you would provide. And I pray, Lord, too, for the needs they have financially. Thank you for your faithfulness through all these years. But, Lord, if there are more, to, more people to be discovered, to be part of their team, that you would reveal that to them. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take uh, a few minutes. We haven't uh, had time to just pause in prayer. And uh, I want to pray for our, our team. They're on their way back. Um, I think they're probably in the air right now, uh, leaving Houston to, uh, to make their way back here from Guatemala. It's been a good time. Been, been, I know as parents, you've been in contact with your children. Uh, Alicia has kept us in the loop. And, uh, and so I would just like to pray for them. And then for a few other things, and then I'll move into my message for this morning. Father, we thank you that we can come and pray. And I think of how many times we've paused today to pray to you, to come to you. And it can never be enough. I don't think we could ever outdo coming and talking to you. And giving space for you to talk to us. Just giving space, God, to be with you. Thank you for the truth that you are with us. We sang that no one can take us out of your hand. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have revealed yourself, that you have shown us Jesus, that you convict us, that you guide us. May we find ourselves submitting to you. May we be able to follow what Paul says that we would keep in step with you, Holy Spirit. Lord, as the team comes back, they're coming back exhausted, tired. Traveling is tiring. <laughs> and yet I know their hearts are full. So many stories. The way you use them, the way you use Guatemala in their own life. Changes that have begun. 
Lord, we, we pray that, that those seeds that are growing will not wither, but will grow strong and be rooted strong in you. That, Father, as we receive our team back, that we, we receive them back with anticipation. But, Lord, um, that you would show us, help us to be wise of how to nurture that and to see it grow. We pray for the impact of, that they left in Guatemala, the conversations they had, the love, the shalom, Lord, all of that, that it would go forth and that a cool would, would be a city of God in that area, known to be a place where you can find God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And as we look at the word of God today, may you teach us. May our hearts be ready to receive. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> here's the good news. I am so excited about this passage that I get to preach on. Um, it's about Lazarus rising from the dead. And that is so exciting. The bad news is that there are 42 verses. And there's like 20 minutes. So, if you have a seatbelt, can I encourage you to put it on? Because we've got lots to cover this morning. This is one of my favorite parts. And when I looked at this, Simon, Simon he's laid out what we were going to do, and he gave me these verses. I'm looking at this over the last couple of weeks going, dude, there's like four messages here. And, and I feel like if I leave anything, if I don't touch on all of this, it feels like I've left something wasted. And I can't do that. Okay, so here we go. Um, We're going to look at the scripture as it unfolds. I don't have fancy, any more slides up here other than scripture and a couple quotes that I want to do. So first you need to know that we're going to be centering in Bethany. And Bethany was a place, uh, it literally means a house, uh, house of the poor, house of the poor. And it was understood that this is where the poor people, this is where the sick, this is where the needy would go and get cared for. And why I point this out is that this is where Jesus hung out. He hung out in this spot. And the first challenge I would give us all is that where are the needy, where are the poor, where are the sick in your life? Or are, you, are you hanging out with them at all? Because Jesus hung out with these people. We know that because Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they, they were his friends. And if you're going to be friends with anybody, you spend time with them. And he spent, he spent time with them. So, if you have your Bibles, let's dig into the first part here of this passage. And let's read the first six verses. It says, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, 
whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. But Jesus, but when Jesus heard this, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I want to I talk about the response. I don't know if you, when you read this, if you're going, what's, what's going on here? And so I want to talk about the response. The first response is what Jesus says. I don't believe that he's saying this to the disciples. I think he, he is saying it to the, to the man who came and, and gave him the message. Because later on, he tells the disciples that Lazarus is asleep. No, he's dead. But he says to them, he says, he says here that sickness does not lead to death. What, what does he mean? Sickness does not lead to death. And, and, and then he is saying here that, that, that it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Yeah, Lazarus dies, but this opportunity recreates a, it creates a space for God to be glorified. And in so doing, the Son may be glorified. I really think what he's saying is death is not the end here. Death is not the end. The end is the glory of God. That's what this is all about. Our life that we live here, it's about the glory of God. Everything you do is an opportunity for God to be glorified or not. Just think about that for a moment. Everything you do is an opportunity for God to be glorified. And he's saying here that, that this is an opportunity. What's happening with, with, with Lazarus is an opportunity for God to be glorified. Last week, Pastor Simon spoke about some of the most challenging times we have in our lives are in the valleys. But it's the times where we grow the most is in the valley. And here in, in this situation with Lazarus and him being ill is a time for great growth in this valley. But probably the thing that sticks out to me the most is that Lazarus is ill, and what does Jesus do? He stays for two days. I got to scratch my head on that. I mean, if... I've got, I've got some good friends in Kelowna, Will from Pearl Pauls. They have, our, they have a son who's named Brendan, um, name, same name as our son. And if, if Will and Pearl phoned me up and said to me, our son is ill, please come. My first thing would not be, uh, I'm just going to sit here for two days and then I'll go. Now, it may take me a bit to get there because i got to make arrangements. But what do I do? What do we all do? We get up and we go. So why did Jesus stay for two days? Anybody got an answer? Oh, you do. Good. We'll, we'll see if it matches, all right? There's a pause here. 
Scott talked about the retreat center and about pausing. I think there's a pause here. There's a purposeful pause on Jesus' part. I actually, and hopefully I'll be able to substantiate my case, I believe that Jesus stopped and prayed. He spent two days praying. Because what was to come was so significant. What was to come was what was going to happen to set in motion his death. This is it. And this miracle that he does seals the deal. And so that weight of what is to come, for the part of seeking God and, and, and looking to him, but here's, here's what I find. I find maybe like Mary and Martha that there is sometimes this silence, this pause with God when I come and I ask him, God, help me, rescue me. And it's like, where is he? Where is he? I'm looking for him and I can't find him or I, I want to sense him and he doesn't seem to be there. Where is he? He is with me. He is there. Here's another thing that I find interesting is, is words they use to describe how Jesus looked at Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So, so they sent word to Jesus saying, listen, Lazarus, the person that you love is ill. And the Greek word that is used there for love in this first part is phileo. And phileo love is a love of affection, of emotion. And so they say, Lazarus, who you have affection for, who you love, he's ill. And then John goes on to say in verse 5, you can see it up there. John says, you agape them. So your love for Mary and for Martha and for Lazarus is agape, which is this, this dedication, this devotion that he has for them. And that is his love for us. That is his love for you. Both within the realm of emotion, of, of, uh, in the realm of, of, of devotion, as well as affection he has for you. And yet there are times in his love for us he waits. I love you, but I'm not coming right now. Not that he isn't with us, but whatever our prayer request is or whatever we are seeking or whatever we desire is not being answered. And he has a reason for it. We get the privilege in scripture to be able to see what's happening. We don't have that privilege in our own life, do we? And it sucks. I don't like it sometimes. I find it incredibly hard. Scott, you said again, you know, will we be willing to rest? Are we willing to rest in that kind of, you didn't quite say this, but the unknown. In the, in, in the, am I willing to rest when it is not easy? So I believe that Jesus spent that time and he prayed. As the disciples point out, to go to Judea is going to be deadly. And Jesus is seeking his heavenly father. We have important decisions to make in our lives. And I think there are times that we rush to make them. 
and we need to slow down. Time is actually our friend, not our enemy. But we rush. Some of you rush to get here. You literally rush to get here. You might even broke the speed limit to get here. You rush to get here. And when we live our lives in a rush like that, we actually have a hard time pausing before God and resting in him. Well, the next part Jesus says is this. Starts in verse 7. It says, Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were not were just excuse me. The Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because he sees, because the light is not in him. There are some curious things. What way to answer? Okay, listen, if we go, if we go there, you're going to die. You're gonna, they're going to kill you. And he answers by this, what seemingly is this riddle of walking in the dark and walking in the light. What is up with that? Well, first of all, I look and I read this and I see something that says there's a non-anxious presence that Jesus has. Even though he knows what is going to happen, there's a non-anxious presence. And I desire that in my life. I want to live in a non-anxious presence. In a world in which the young people today face more anxiety than any other generation probably since the war. We have more young people who go see and seek help for anxiety and depression. They seek counsel, medication, than we have seen in a very, very long time. Our world does not live in a non-anxious presence. It's full of anxiety. And I'll come back to slowing down. I come back to waiting. And I think that's some of it, that everything is go, 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 go. And we don't know how to slow down. And that's where we actually can live in a non-anxious place. But Jesus' response here, I, I read that he's non-anxious. But what is he really saying here? I think that what he's really saying is that, yes, there is danger but walk with me. I'm the light. You can face whatever is around you. You can go into those valleys, as Pastor, Pastor Simon told us last week. We, we got to live in the valleys. We can live in the valley in his presence with him. But if we choose to go on our own, we choose to push ourselves through, we're not with him. We're, we're not living in his presence, in a non-anxious sense. This is an invitation. He's really saying, yeah, we're going to go. Come with me. Come with me. And you have to like Thomas. 
You've got to love what Thomas says here. I didn't read it, but you can read it in your Bibles. Thomas says, okay, let's go. I'll die with you. Thomas gets a bad rap in the Bible. That's pretty cool stuff there. That's pretty cool. Because I think I might struggle to go, okay, Jesus, I'll go with you, if, even if it means death. I mean, he was ready to go and die with Jesus. He took up the call that Jesus said, hey, if you want to go, and we're going to go, go with me. But if you don't go with me, you'll be in the dark. How do you want to live your life? Where do you want it to be? I have a sticky note in my study. And I probably look at this thing two or three times a week. And I wrote on there, am I willing to trust Jesus in the unknowns in my life? And I have to read that. That helps me to walk in this world in the light and not in the dark. All right, let's move on to this part here because this is really where the action happens, isn't it? Because they make it there. Verse 17 now, when Jesus came and he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two, hour, two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she, sent, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. I, I just have to stop there and just tell you that what Martha did was not what you're supposed to do. Okay, when you are mourning, the people come to you. You don't leave and run to the people that are going to come to you. That, that wasn't the way the culture was. You waited for those that were going to come and mourn with you to come to you. But she couldn't help herself. She couldn't help herself. So why couldn't she help herself? Because it says that Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that, I will, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I point out a couple things here for us to examine. The first is, is, is her, her first response. Her first response is, if, if, if only you'd been here, Jesus. If only you'd been here. And what's interesting is you read further on, Mary says the same thing, exact same words. That's how John records it. Exactly the same words. Why? Because I think they were probably sitting around when their brother died and said, if only Jesus had been here. If only he'd been here. How about you in your life? Do you have any if onlys? Do you live in your if onlys? If only I had not said that. If only I had not gone on that trip. If only I had not made that decision. If only statements are, if only I could rewind my life. 
right now. That's why we make movies back to the future. If only I could go back to change the future. But Martha, she had an honest, sincere, protesting disappointment. Again, I love the reality. I love how she could be with Jesus and said, if only you were here. If only I know that my brother would not have died. In some ways, why, why didn't you come? Why weren't you here? But she also has this part of this great faith. Like, whatever you ask God, whatever you ask God, he will do, it says in verse 22. Whatever you ask, he will do. And yet, we know that when Jesus says, roll away the stone, she says, oh, yeah, but he stinketh. Gotta love the King James. He stinketh. Again, there's this part of Martha that I can relate to of, yes, I have faith in God. I know he can do anything. And yet, he stinketh. It's not going to happen. It's not going to come to reality. Those low spots. And maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you're at a low spot. Maybe you're at a place that is very, very difficult for you. Maybe you've been crying out and you're saying, God, if only, if only, if only. And again, I want to tell you that it's okay to say if only. But I want you to know that Jesus is here. He does love you and he is loving you in and amidst what you're going through. But what is Jesus saying? He's, he's making this statement that your, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day, verse 24. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall not die. I'm going to give you a few quotes. I couldn't think I could say it any better, and I think it, it helps to understand what is being said here. It's by N.T. Wright. And um, this is what he says. Hopefully you can follow along. Instead of looking at the past and dreaming about what might have been, but now cannot be, he invites her to look to the future. Then having looked at the future, he asked her to imagine that the future is suddenly brought forward into the present. This is central to all early Christian belief about Jesus. And the present passage makes the point as clearly and vividly as anywhere else in the whole New Testament. And T. Wright goes on to say, well, he does. Can you flip my slide one more? He, Jesus, points her to the future. Your brother will rise again. She knows, as well as Jesus, that this is the standard Jewish teaching. Some of the Jews, particularly the Sadducees, didn't believe in the future resurrection. But at this period, most of the Jews did, following Daniel 2, 3. 
and other Old Testament passages. They shared in the vision of Isaiah 65 and 66, a vision of the new heavens and a new earth, God's whole new world, a world like ours, only without its but only with its beauty and power enhanced, and its pain, ugliness, and grief abolished. Within the new world, they believed all God's people from ancient times to the present would be given new bodies. Amen? to share and relish the life of the new creation. And in my last slide, flip to that one. The future has burst into the present. The new creation and with the, res with, with the resurrection has come forward from the end of time into the middle of time. Jesus has not just come and we say sometimes or sing from heaven to earth. It is equally true to say that he has come from God's future into the present into the mess and the muddle of the world we know. Why do I say that? Because oftentimes when we look at the resurrection, we think of what is to come. But Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection. The whole I am is an eternal present tense. Right now, today, he is the resurrection. He's the resurrection in your life today. Yes, I look forward to a time when, when I have hair. Amen. I look forward to that time. Yes, I'm a little jealous that Simon stands up here and he's got hair. It's not fair. And he's got a cool accent. I look forward to that future resurrection. I don't want to miss the resurrection today. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection, it's just not what is to come, people. He is the resurrection in your life today. And then he's booted, that he goes even one step further. He says, I am your life. He doesn't want our spiritual life. He wants our life. Because he is the life. I am the resurrection. Yes, there's a resurrection to come, but he is the resurrection right now in your life today. He challenged Martha to go beyond the if only, to take her to if Jesus. Where is he in your life today? There's a great exchange that happens, and it continues to happen, because I need the resurrection life today. I need his life today. Look here. He proves the point when he doesn't, it's not the focus on the resurrection as much as the life. When he says, he who believes in me, though he die, shall have, uh, yet he shall have resurrection. No, he shall have, he shall live. And everyone who lives, again, he believes in me will not die. It is about life. His life, present, right now. I think, can I say, I can, because I'm going to. If you turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 11, you see a bunch of disciples looking up into the sky after Jesus goes. And heavenly beings going, what are you looking at? <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. He's going to come back. I know he's going to. But I think there's too many of us that are standing there looking for him to come back. And as Pastor Simon told us last week, 
we're to go into the valleys. And sometimes we stand around and we look at the return of Christ far too much. And we miss the opportunities to be with Jesus and to serve Jesus and to love Jesus and to be loved by him. I believe in the return of Christ. Believe me, I do. I can't wait. The church, let's not stand around and talk about it. Let's live it. Let's live it. Man, there's a lot in here. It's a resurrection life. We didn't even get to the fact that Jesus wept. Raina and I had a debate on that. Why did he weep? Was he weeping because he was upset at the people? Was he weeping because he was grieving? Probably both. And then he calls out for Lazarus to come forward. And man, that's amazing because there's great faith in that. He's calling out a man who, who was dead for four days that should have stunk. And the miracle is when they rolled the stone away, he didn't stink. And the other miracle is, is that when he called him, he didn't say, Lazarus, come back from the dead. He was already alive in there. Okay. I'm telling you, there's good stuff. He was already alive. He just said, come out. Is Jesus alive in you? Do you have the resurrection life? It is a rhetorical question I'm asking for an answer. Yes. If you know Jesus, thank you, Simon. If you know Jesus, yes, you have the resurrection and the life in you. That is Jesus. So if you're weary and you're burdened and you need that rest, go to Honeymoon Bay. No. Go to Jesus. So I'll end this way. <clears throat> I, have a, I have a spiritual practice. If you're in that place and you are feeling weary, if you're in that place and you're struggling for the resurrection and the life, I have a spiritual practice of just waiting. I'm going to come back to that. Because I believe that that is so important. I didn't get to verses 41 and 42. Jesus, when he, when he, before he calls Lazarus to come out of the tomb, he prays and he says, thank you, God, for, for listening to me, for hearing my prayers. That's why I think that he prayed those two days. And then he called Lazarus to come out. We need to spend some time. Sometimes we just need to wait. We need to pause. We need to not rush. And so I give you a spiritual practice of just waiting. How to do that. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Wow, it's been a full morning. It's been a good morning. Um, God, I thank you for your word. How great it is. How it unfolds to tell us who you are. Jesus, I thank you that you are present with us, which means that you are the resurrection and the life presently, right now, here. And Lord, we do look forward to that time when you will come back and the dead in Christ will rise first. But help us today to live in the resurrection and the life of you. In Jesus' name, amen.